Well, good morning, everyone. It is so great to be here with you, and Merry Christmas to you. I pray that this is a season that just brings you great joy, happiness, and comfort. Well, before I begin uh, my message today, I want to share both for those who are here and as well, we want to welcome everybody that is online here today. I just want to give you some encouragement about what I believe we are on the precipice of as we head into 2021. And I want you to know that in spite of all of the challenges that we have faced, the things that we've experienced with COVID and everything that surrounded that, that's just trying to crowd us, I believe that as the church and as Eastside City Church is well included in this, that we're on the verge of one of the greatest moves of God that anybody has ever seen. And I just want you to continue to reach out in faith, believing that God is going to reach more people in, in 2021, I believe this, than you've ever seen in your lifetime. And so I just encourage you to keep praying, keep believing, because God has great things. Can I hear an amen for that? Well, today we're going to continue our series centered around Christmas called Discover Jesus. And I want to share this, that for those who are searching, those who maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus, this series is so amazing because it's going to give you an understanding of the life and mission of Jesus. Why did he come down to earth? What was he all about? And to those of you who have a relationship with him, who know him, this series is going to be a reminder of his grace, his provision, and his presence that is available to us each and every day. This Christmas at Eastside, we are celebrating Advent. Now, Advent comes from the Latin word meaning adventus or arrival, that there was an arrival, there was something that people were expecting, there was an expectation for centuries before Jesus arrived, there was an expectation in the hearts of people for the chosen one, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that we are celebrating today called Jesus. We celebrate his birth because he brought to us the things that people truly crave in their hearts, whether they recognize it or not. It is that we want hope, peace, love, and joy. You know what? Money and power and position, things that people think will satisfy their lives, never end up doing that. It comes down to these things that I just talked about. In my prayer is that all of you who are listening today that can hear my voice, that you will experience greater hope, greater peace, greater love, and an incredible joy now and in the coming, coming year. Now, we have the Advent candles here, and hopefully this will light for us today. Oh, good, there we go, we got a flame, because uh, the first service, it ran out of gas on me. Um, but we have three candles that we're going to light today. The first one is around hope. We talked about that our first week, that Jesus gives us, hold on here, come on, you can light, there we go, gives us hope. As well, Pastor Michael shared last week that Jesus is our peace, that it's him who helps us find peace in every part of our lives. And today, I'm going to be talking about, i got to relight this again, maybe not, maybe I need to learn how to work this a little better. All right, well, you're going to just have to guess. We got one more candle lit in the second service than we did in the first. Today, we're going to be talking about the third candle, which is to do with love. That Jesus 
is love. And that when you are filled with his love, just like these candles, his light shines into dark places. Can I hear an amen? Now, one of the greatest pictures I have and reminders I have of Christmas when I was growing up were the times that we came together as a family. And when I talk about family, it was when my aunts and uncles came together, as well as my grandparents. And we'd be sitting around uh, the couch or, or in the kitchen telling stories, people telling stories about life. And some of my favorite stories were when other people told stories about my parents. You know, you got to hear what they were like as teenagers, the things that they did. And um, one of the stories I heard from one of my uncles, and I'm so appreciative of what he shared because this gave me great leverage as I got older, was how that when they were growing up, that many times on the weekends, they would sneak out of the house. They would borrow the car, as they like to say. Now, some of you might use the word steal. They would steal the car. And it just depends on your perspective and how you see things. But to give you a full picture of how they did this and, and, and what happened is that I need to give you an understanding about the house that my mom and her brothers grew up in. It was located on the top of a hill about 10 kilometers outside of town. It was way up and it overlooked the Columbia River Valley. I grew up in Longview, Washington. Right below was the mighty Columbia River that was an hour away from the ocean. You'd see big ships and everything and you could look down the hill and see this, they had the most perfect view. But as well, their house was this large, one-story ranch-style house that, that was really wide and spread out on the top of this hill. And on one end was my grandparents' bedroom, uh, and on the other end of the house was the kitchen and the door that led out to the garage. They were as far apart as you could possibly be. I mean, it was a perfect setup if you wanted to sneak out and do things. Now, in the kitchen, was this massively large corner window that you could see out to the Columbia River Valley below as well as the garage and things that were on that side of the house. So like most teenagers, they desired to hang out with their friends and go cruising. And I grew up in a town where one of the popular things to do on Friday and Saturday nights was to jump in the car, go into the downtown Main Street and drive past each other for two hours and then go home. It was really exciting stuff. Um, and so that's what they were doing. They wanted to go out and be with their friends, but for whatever reason, they didn't have permission to do that. So they decided to sneak out. So in the cover of darkness, they went outside the side door, quietly opened the garage, and put the car in neutral, didn't start it, and coasted. Now you have to understand this, there was a long gravel driveway down to the road below that was probably a couple hundred yards, and then the road went around a corner, and so they would cruise, uh, quietly put it in neutral, go down to the driveway, push the car around the corner, start it, and went into town. Well, they had a great time hanging out with their friends, waving at them, until they realized they needed to go home. And as they were coming around the corner before the driveway, they felt like, well, we can't turn the car off because we can't push the car up the hill. We're going to still need to drive it, but, but we think if we turn the headlights off, they thought that mom and dad would still be asleep. They'd be so far asleep because they'd been gone for hours. And I, I love the story that they told us that as they rounded the corner and they were driving the car quietly, they noticed that the kitchen window, there was a small light on and a manly silhouette in the distance. Now, my uncle 
would share that and as they saw the silhouette, his exact words, it was like they were encountering the presence of God. They knew that what was done in secret was now being open into the light. Why am I sharing this with you here today? Because I believe this, just like these candles, that God's desire is to let light shine in the darkness, that we want to let love shine. And that Jesus, why Jesus? Why did he come? Or what was so special about Jesus? Because Jesus' love replaces darkness. His love changed everything. What do I mean? Well, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah Isaiah the prophet made this declaration. And he said this about the coming of Jesus. In Isaiah 60, verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You see, we have to understand the world that Jesus came into, what was going on in in that time as he was born a little baby in Bethlehem. You see, before Jesus came, great darkness flooded the earth. And as I was writing this, I had these crazy thoughts. I have a wild imagination. If you're going to be somebody that tells stories and preaches, it's good to have a little bit of an imagination. And I had this picture like the Middle Earth and the Lord of the Rings. You know, just darkness was everywhere. And there were evil creatures and monsters looking to consume unsuspecting souls. But we have to understand that the darkness that I'm talking about today was not actually a physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness that manifested itself in the activities and behavior of man. You see, the darkness I'm talking about was the darkness that's inside of the heart of humanity, the depravity of man. Who who knows this? Without God's love ruling inside of us, we can be quite scary. We can have scary thoughts and ideas. We we think things that aren't probably good and we get ourselves into all sorts of trouble. You know, I've learned this as a parent. There is no limit to the amount of dumb and deplorable choices that kids can make. Like when you find your kid and they're little and they're writing on the wall with the crayons or the markers and you say, why did you do that? And their answer is, I don't know. I've said this before, I don't know has been blamed for so many things over the history of mankind. If we can ever round up that person, they would be guilty of so many things. But you see, as we get older, the poor choices we make can be dumber and more destructive. Like, why did you shave your chest with a razor blade? Now, that might have been me. It could have been somebody else that I know. And the question is, why did you do that? I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe for some of us, we know from high school and other areas of our life, why did you get into that relationship with that person? Uh, I don't know. We not only hurt ourselves, but cause pain and suffering to those around us, sometimes by those decisions we make when we're not Filled with the love of God. You see, through the darkness of sin, we have to understand this. We as human beings become more more self-focused and eventually miserable. And that was the world that Jesus was born into. 
a world that was lacking love and compassion. It was, it was filled with people who were consumed with greed, envy, and jealousy. People who filled their lives with all sorts of selfish passions and unrestrained immorality. Freedom was only for a few, where the rest struggled with servitude or other forms of oppression. People were divided into classes or caste systems like we still see in India today that were almost impossible to escape. If your parents were a slave, you most likely would be a slave for the rest of your life as well if you were born into it. Justice was non-existent as rulers, the aristocrats, and the wealthy would avoid punishment, often pinning it on those who are less fortunate. If you were sick, handicapped, or diseased, you were ostracized and even many times removed from society. It was believed by the religious leaders of that day, and I know even in some countries still around the world, that those who were facing disabilities or challenges, that it was their fault that God was somehow judging them for sin in their life. The value for human life was incredibly low. Compassion was a rare commodity. You see, if there was real love, it was really hard to find because there was so much darkness. People were consumed with selfishness, and there was a lack of concern for anybody outside of their family unless they had power, wealth, or influence or could help pull you ahead somehow. That's all people cared about. There was little hope if you're an outsider. And I want to share this today, that it has been proven if you study historically the nations of the world, those places that have most been impacted by the the life in, of Jesus Christ who built their foundation on are the places that have the most compassion and generosity of, the, of those nations that don't have that as their foundation. There's something about what he brought to the earth. You see, I said there was little hope if you're considered an outsider. Now, I, I, I remember there have been places in my life where I felt like an outsider. Maybe you have too. I remember my first missions trip to the Philippines. We ended up stopping for two nights in Hong Kong. And I'd never been there before. And I was kind of looking around, and I was the one who was in charge of the trip. And so I, I grabbed a hotel. I, I, I wanted to do something that would be economical. Now, I don't know if you understand this. When you go to a lot of countries that are overseas, there's, there isn't like these, what you call the, a scale of hotels where it kind of goes from nice to a little less nice to, you know, medium to, you no, know, it's either like it's really nice or it's not. And so I got this hotel that was a really good deal. But when I arrived there, I realized that, guess which one I got? Um, you know, I opened the door. I was, there were two other gentlemen that were on this trip with me. I opened it. Uh, the door barely opened because they hit the bed when you kind of, you, you went to open it. And there were two single beds, but there were three people. And so I said, can we get a cot? They kind of looked at me like, well, why do you need a cot? Because I said, two beds, three people. Well, they put the cot that barely fit in between the two beds. It looked like we were all sleeping in the same bed. It was a beautiful thing. It's a good thing that we liked each other and got along. <laughs> and when you had to use the washroom, you had to crawl over both beds, get into the hallway, and use the one bathroom that was for everybody that was on that floor. It was an incredible experience. But what I'm talking about not feeling like I, I was a belonged or an outsider. I remember we went to go for lunch because the hotel 
this is another sign, was located not where tourists stayed, but with just in the community. And if you've ever been to Hong Kong, it's just massive amounts of people everywhere. So we went to grab lunch in a restaurant that was down below the hotel. And when we got there, it was obvious that things weren't quite what we were used to. Um, in fact, we were seated in the back of the restaurant. And for 30 minutes while we sat there, nobody came and talked to us. I saw people ordering their food, getting their food. I, I, I kind of do the, hey, 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 oh, and it was like, oh, okay, guess not. You know, we felt like we were a ghost, like we were nobodies. We were in the wrong place. Now, I began to understand later on, it was most likely they didn't speak English. <laughs> they didn't know how to talk to us. <laughs> But I want to say this when it comes to Jesus. Because of the oppression and the hurt, the Israelites that they were experiencing believe that the Messiah was coming to rescue them. That he was going to remove them from their circumstances and their surroundings and that he was going to take them out of the oppression and the rule of the vicious Roman Empire and that, that somehow when the Messiah came, they were going to be back in charge again. And, and they were believing and they were hoping that everybody then would have to bow down to them and their rules and their regulations. Isn't it amazing that historically that the oppressed, when the opportunity changes, eventually become the oppressors? It's the pattern of history that was going on and on. You see, the players change, but the system remained the same. But I want to say this. Who here knows that, that, that the light, it, that it's darkest right before the light of dawn? It's darkest right before the light of dawn. And I want to say this, that genuine love shines in dark places. Genuine love removes darkness. Love eventually wins. You see, Jesus had a different type of revolution planned, a revolution that was based on love and compassion. You see, when Jesus arrived, he wasn't what the, in the package that everybody thought he would be, but he came and shook up everything and turned the world upside down. But he did not create this change through military might or by aligning himself with kings and political leaders. He demonstrated this and changed everything through selfless love and compassion. You see, he went to the poor, the handicapped, the broken of society. He reached out to historical enemies, the morally bankrupt, both the common and the despised. You see, he gave value to everyone, and he reached in and he touched their hearts. You see, he didn't come to create a revolution that was going to change things through political power. He came through a revolution of changing people's hearts. And I want to say this today, that love, real love, genuine love, gives value to everyone. It gives value to everyone, that everyone has value. And I, and I want to pause here just for a second. Maybe today you're listening online or you're, you're in this auditorium and you've been struggling with just feeling valuable. You felt very discouraged about what's going on. I want to let you know that you have great value today, that Jesus loves you, that people here love you. You see, love is what reaches and touches and changes people's hearts. It's what changes people's opinions of things. When they encounter real love, it breaks down barriers. 
You see, real, genuine love is what produces freedom. You see, in the Gospel of John, Jesus made this statement about himself where he basically verified what Isaiah had prophesied over 700 years before. He said this in John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, light brings life while destroying darkness. When I was just out of high school, I had a job doing renovations. We would do things in ad rooms, remodel people's homes and houses. And we were working on this house, and, and I was told this, they were taking the boards off of the deck in the front of the house, that I was to throw them under the deck behind the house. Well, I thought it was a simple thing. I threw my first board under the house, and all of a sudden, the owner of the home, this lady, came out, just her face was on fire. She was angry. She was cursing, yelling, cussing, swearing. What in the world's going on? And, when it, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, Todd, what did you do? I said, I took the board and I threw it under the deck. And she says, yeah, you threw it right through the window to my dark room for developing film. She knew light would destroy the pictures before they could be developed. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Light brings exposure. See, exposure is a word that we many times give negative connotations with. Why? Because we can be afraid of exposure. We don't want people to see our weaknesses or our, our negative behavior. We, we, we come to church or we're with our friends at work or we're, we're seeing people at school and they ask us, how are we doing? And we just say, oh, we're doing so great. We're doing so awesome, but we're really not. We're struggling with things or we had a fight with our kids or we, we're struggling in our relationships or maybe we're even really discouraged about what's going on and we give these comments because we don't want to expose what's really going on inside of us and we especially don't want people to see the dark side of us and the mistakes that we make. You see, God wants us to understand that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He brought light to expose those things so that we would deal with them. But all exposure also reveals two other things. It reveals what is good in our lives. If we have good things, it will show that we're full of love and grace and goodness and kindness and compassion. But it also will show what's missing in our lives. And I believe this, that Jesus is not only looking to remove hidden sin and character weaknesses, but he's looking to see if his nature is inside of us. He wants his nature to be inside of us. Luke 18, 8 says, when the, the verse says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It could be said like this, when the, man, when the Son of Man comes, will he find love in your heart? Will he find his goodness in your life? You see, our job is to discover, will, do we reflect his glory and his goodness to the world around us. We're called to be light. Well, how do I know that? 
Because in Matthew 5.14, Jesus changed what he shared in Romans, where he said, I am the light of the world. Listen to what he said about you and I in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will do what? Will praise your heavenly Father. I believe this right now and in this time and in this era that we're walking in right now, in the midst of all of the COVID, in the midst of all of the challenges, we need a reflection infection. That we are called to reflect the goodness of God to everyone around us. You see, God wasn't trying to confuse us when he said, I am the light of the world and you are the light of the world. If you can compare it to this, it's like he would be the sun and we were the moon which reflects the sun. You see, people, when they see you, what he's saying is, they should see me. Jesus is saying, when, I look, when people look at you, do they see me in your life? Do you have the love and the compassion for people? I love what it says in John 13, 35. It says, they will know we are his disciples by what? By our love for each other. Well, what type of love are we talking about? Now, many of us understand romanticized love. Woo! That is based on attraction and, well, the butterflies we get when we were in junior high and high school. And, you know, some of us still get it in our life. But then there's also the love of what we call, I call it besties love, friendship, people that we enjoy hanging out with that's based on reciprocating benefits that you're, you know, you're, you're my friend, you do good stuff, we'll continue to be friends, but you become a jerk, we probably won't be friends anymore. But the love that Jesus was talking about and the love that he was saying needs to be demonstrated in our life is this third type of love called sacrificial love. A love that favors the betterment of other people, that we're concerned about what's going on in the people around us. You see, sacrificial love is genuine love. And how do we still demonstrate genuine love for each other? Well, as Jesus was traveling and teaching and and being questioned by a religious leader, they asked him, what is the most important commandment in the Bible? And Jesus said, oh, I'm going to give you a twofold answer. First of all, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, with everything within you, you got to love God. But the second commandment is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, think of others with the same affection that you think about yourself. You see, one of the things that I believe that we've got to remember to do in the midst of everything that's going on is we need to start thinking about how are other people feeling? What is going on in their world? What's happening around them? It's putting ourselves in their shoes, in their place. It's a word called empathy. It's looking at life from another person's perspective. How do we develop genuine Love. How do we develop that empathy to be that example of Jesus to people around us? I'm going to give you three quick things. Number one, it's taking the time to listen to each other. And when I talk about listening to each other, I'm talking listening not only with our ears, but with our heart. 
You know, we can listen to people and not hear what they're saying. Now, as somebody that's been married for almost 27 years, I'm almost a professional. But I've learned some things over the years. And who here knows that when you're, you ask your wife how she's doing and she says to you, fine, that it isn't fine. You know, that if you just believe that at face value, you're probably missing something. That fine is not the answer you want to hear. Because there's something else that's going on and you better be listening with your heart. You see, we sometimes get around people and we hear their comments like, how are you doing, brother and sister in church? And they're like, oh, I'm doing good. But are we listening with our heart? You see, we need to also learn to seek to understand people more than being heard ourselves. You see, most issues in life come from miscommunication and misunderstanding. Why? Because people do not hear what they're really being told. And I know this, we, many times when people are talking to us, we hear what we want to hear, not what is actually being said. We've got to take time to listen to each other. Second thing about genuine love, we need to serve one another through grace and compassion. What do I mean by that? Well, we need to refuse to dwell on people's humanity and their weaknesses. People make mistakes. How do I know that people make mistakes? Because I make mistakes. Now, you know how I said I'm almost a professional at marriage? I am a professional expert at making mistakes. I understand that. We've got to make sure that we, when we see each other, that we don't get caught up in the church of always just seeing what's wrong with somebody, what's, what they're, where they're not measuring up, that we need to be those people that learn how to overlook those things. It says in Proverbs 19.11, it's to the glory of man to overlook an offense. Now, I'm not talking about greasy grace here. I'm not talking about ignoring sin issues. But we've got to be willing to be gracious to those who have issues that they're working through that maybe sometimes that's, that we focus, that's all we focus on. And we forget to see them the way that God sees them. That we also are people that learn to serve each other, to be part of the solution, that we take time for people in relationship. That we... Understand that we can meet physical and emotional needs through acts of kindness and financial needs through gifts of generosity. But these things are not easy because it requires sacrifice, which is costly to ourselves. Which leads me to the third part of genuine or sacrificial love. It's this. It's giving up of our right to be right. <laughs> our understanding becomes distorted when we feel the need to justify ourselves. Holding on to our opinions, our thoughts, our beliefs about everything. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't like losing arguments. Not good at it, still not. But here's what I've learned. Unrestrained opinions will eventually lead to division. You know, it doesn't mean that we never share, but what, what, are we, what is our purpose? What is our, our point in the relationship? Do we want to walk together in genuine love and unity, or are we more concerned about what our opinion is? Titus 3.9 says, But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, 
and striving about the law. He's talking to Jewish people. They fight over the law. He said, for they are unprofitable and useless. You see, I've been challenged and, and, and to remind myself and to remind you that, remember, our mission right now, what is our mission? It's not what we think we should do or we want to do. It's our mission should be to reach the world with the love of Jesus Christ. We call this the gospel or the good news. And I say this as the church, our job is not just to, to stay in these four walls, but we're to go out and share that love with people all, all around us because our neighbor, it, there's many neighbors that we have that don't know Jesus. But how can we love our neighbor outside of the church if we struggle to love each other inside of the church? We talk about each other. We ignore each other. We do not listen to each other. We pick on each other's weaknesses. We have low commitment to one another. Now, here's one of the things I learned, and I know I'm going to step on a few toes here today if I haven't already, but COVID has created another place for division in the church. Are you a masker or an anti-masker? Do you believe in compliance and protectors of the common good? Or do you see that these requirements on us are the erosion of God-given rights and your freedoms? And as I say this, some of you are like, yeah, that's me. No, 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 that other, no, not that one. That one, yes. No, not that. Yes, that. Here's what I want you to know. There are many opinions that people have, and there are good points on both sides of the argument. And what if you're not 100% right? Now, here's what I want you to know when I, I say this. we got to think about things from other people's perspective. we got to watch out of what we allow to come in that create more division. I'm not asking anybody here to give up your convictions. You believe something. You believe God has put something in your heart. You believe that as, as hard as you can. You stand on what you believe God is speaking to you. I believe it's important to stand up for what we think is right. But we need to do it in a way that is pleasing to God. You see, you can have the right ideas and you can have the right things, but did you know you can have the wrong attitude? <laughs> you see, it's easy to get caught up in arguments and miss the bigger picture. We need to build our unity around the gospel, reaching people for Jesus. And I want to share this today. I, my desire with what we're doing here at Eastside City Church is I want to reach that person who is scared right now of everything in their life and doesn't know what to believe that God, they would feel like that's somebody that I can, I, that understands where I'm coming from. But I also want to encourage the person who believes God has called them to be bold with the truth. You continue to be bold with the truth, but think about what you're saying about other people. See, people don't know this about me. I'm fighting for every one of us as Canadians for our constitutional freedoms. But I'm going to do it without creating a scorched earth policy. Because I believe you can appeal to things. I believe you can challenge things. I believe you can be bold for things. And you don't have to destroy all of the relationships around you. 
You see, I believe we need to find people right now who need to be encouraged. There are so many people who are drowning in fear, drowning in their regret, drowning in their pain. And the only thing that I know, and this is because I'm just a simple dude here that's just preaching the word of God, the only thing I know that fixes everything is the love of Jesus. I'm going to put my stake on the love of Jesus, that if we can get more of the love of Jesus in us, that we can change the world around us. That we need to see people and the way we relate to them differently. We've got to be reminded that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But there are evil powers and principalities and spirits that are opposing the word of God. And I believe there's a blessing about being unified around the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I declare this, that love wins, that love will win in the end when we have his love inside of our hearts. But it requires courage. We need more courage today. If I can have the keyboard player come up, if I can have Catherine come up. You see, 1 John 4.18 says that perfect love casts out fear. You see, it takes courage to live like Jesus. It takes courage to be that person that steps out in boldness when he asks you to step out boldly. It takes courage. Can I tell you, it also takes courage to be restrained when you need to be restrained. It requires sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And I'm believing this, that as I shared at the beginning of our message, I believe that God has some greater things in store for us as his church. Bold things that we're going to do as his people, that, that I know that I'm going to be pressing into things that are going to make many people uncomfortable because God's called us to walk in a certain level of authority and it's time for us to reclaim this nation back for the purposes of God that he's called it to be. But at the same time, it all has to be surrounded with the love of Jesus. John 3.16 says this today. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus loved you and I loved every one of us so much that he willingly, I say this willingly, laid down his life for us. You see, he was a baby that was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Galilee, but was crucified in Jerusalem so that we could be free. You see, we celebrate Jesus because he demonstrated such incredible love in the way that he lived, but in his willingness to die. This love is transformational. You see, my prayer today, and I want to pray today for each one of us, that God would fill our lives with more of his love. That he would give us an understanding for what the true mission of the church is, the true mission that he's called us. It's to reach people That he'd give us courage, courage to reach out, courage to stand for truth and righteousness, courage, but he'd also fill us with such love and compassion that we would do it in a way that we would look at each other, we would look at the people around us, not as enemies, but as partners to fulfill the great call of God. 
And today I pray, maybe you're one of those that's struggling with fear right now. I'm speaking to your heart. God's called you to greater things. It's, it's not COVID that's your enemy. It's not all of these other things. Jesus is with you and he's called you to do greater things. Put your trust in him today. And for those who are feeling frustrated and agitated and angry about the government and the rules and the regulations, God's saying, I want to remove that anger and that frustration. I want you to put it into prayer. And I want you to put it into reaching out and loving people with greater passion and compassion. God's got great things in store for us. And I just want to pray for that. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would fill us with your love like these candles that are lit. Lord, would you allow us, would you help us to be a reflection of you that would we be your light. Jesus, you came and you brought light into darkness and you've called us to reflect that light and to see people set free from those things that are binding them. Lord, help us to have your love. Help us to have your passion today. God, I declare it in the name of Jesus. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Receive more of God's love in your heart today. Receive it today. Now, maybe you're listening to me today. Now, maybe you're here and you don't have that relationship with Jesus. You are online or you're in this place. I'm here to tell you that God wants to give you all these things I'm talking about. Hope, peace, fill you with his love and give you joy unspeakable. But it comes through giving your life to Christ, to Jesus, the one who we're celebrating in this Christmas season. I can't think of a better thing to do right now that as we're celebrating Jesus and to honor him by giving your life to him. And so if that's what you want to do, I want you just to pray this with me. Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me, to free me. Help me to become like you. I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. And I receive your free gift of eternal life. Let's thank God today for his presence. Let's thank him for his love. Let's thank him that he's with us here today. And I want to encourage you, if you've made that declaration in your heart today, I want you to reach out to somebody, let them know, share that with somebody. You can do it online by, by put, saying that in the chat thing, hey, I made a decision to make Jesus the center of my life. You can let somebody know here. Or if you're a little bit shy, you can always go to info at eastsidecitychurch.ca and let us know there. Again, we want to reach out to you. We want to help you grow in your journey to discover more of who Jesus is. Again, I want to thank everybody for coming to church today, for joining with us both in person and online. And I just pray that God would bless you and give you just an incredible Christmas. And I hope for all of you that we get to see you again on Thursday night at 3.30 and 5 o'clock. We're going we're gonna to have a great time of celebration, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday.